Hello, everyone, and thank you again for listening to episode two of In Harmony with Piedmont Opera. Glad you returned to the podcast, and we are excited to visit with another very interesting and compelling guest today. Her name is Kristen Schwecki. How are you? I'm well, thank you. So I, I've got a lot of information here about your bio. It is very lengthy. You are very accomplished. <laughs> it's a very impressive resume. Um, we will have ways that people can read through all of the things, but I love this the way that it starts, which is a name to keep in mind. Her voice filled the house and dominated the stage. Simply spectacular. What a promising, dramatic soprano from Opera Lively, the origin of that quote. You hear that? What do you what do you think? I mean, that's that's Well, that that was as soon as I read that quote, I'm like, that's that's my bio quote. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I need, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, um, for for the uninitiated, though, uh, give us give us kind of the, uh, the the Cliff Notes version of of your story. Um, introduce people to to Kristen, who you know they they hear for people that hear your name and they're thinking, oh well, I'd like to learn more. I don't really know a lot about Kristen. What would you like people to know at least off the jump? Sure. Um, I am originally from Wisconsin. I went to undergrad and got my master's degree in Wisconsin. Um, my master's I got at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Um, and then I moved down here to North Carolina to do the A.J. Fletcher Opera Institute okay. at the School of the Arts. Um, so I did a postgraduate degree at the Fletcher Opera Institute. They do like a professional artist certificate. Mm. So that's what brought me down to North Carolina. Okay. Um, I did that for two years, and I've been here ever since. Uh, so I came down in 2011. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. So um, I, I really kind of fell in love with North Carolina and Winston-Salem, and um, so now, now I'm here. Um, so when I finished, I, I was lucky enough to um, have, have plenty of performing opportunities, and um, after kind of doing, doing the, I guess you would say the young artist thing, going and performing at other companies. Um, I started teaching locally mm -hmm. here. So I started um, right downtown at the Stevens Center where Piedmont Opera performs. Sure. Um, the North Carolina School of the Arts has their community music school there. So I started teaching voice lessons there. And um, after I was there for a little while, then I started on faculty at Salem College. And um, then also really kind of fell in love with teaching uh, voice lessons and um, luckily get to still perform quite a bit while I'm teaching all of my students. Yeah. And, um, and then I started at Wake Forest last year on oh, their wow. faculty. Yeah. Okay. So you, you've done a little bit of everything in terms of your, your studies, your performance, your teaching at all different places, but clearly you, you put down some roots here in Winston-Salem. Mm -hmm. uh, going back to, to when you were at Wisconsin, so you, you got your master's in voice. Yes. How early did you know that this was going to be a path you wanted to pursue? Well, so I always wanted to be a singer. Uh -huh. um, I didn't know what 
what that meant to what extent. I think when I was little, I wanted to sing country music because that's like what I knew. Um, and then my my mom got me involved in children's choirs. Um, so plug for Piedmont Youth Chorus mm-hmm. here. Um, so I think that's that's a really great way to start as a singer is to sing in a youth chorus. Um, so I started I started there and then I got involved in musical theater in the like community theater companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I thought that that's what I wanted to do. Um, and so while I was getting involved in all of that, I started taking voice lessons for the first time. Um, and my voice teacher, she was an opera singer. She had sung in the chorus of the Metropolitan Opera and... Um, so she kind of, we made a deal when I started taking with her because I was working on uh, some pop songs, some musical theater songs, and then she introduced me to classical music and opera. Mm. And so she was like, we can do a little of your stuff and then let me introduce you to some of these. And so she got me involved in doing um, competitions like state solo and ensemble and that kind of thing. And um, I was actually really drawn to the discipline of classical music and um, the the details that, that are involved in it. Um, and so she actually got me involved in my very first opera when I was in seventh grade. Mm-hmm. I sang in The Magic Flute. And um, I was one of the little spirits um, and had the most amazing time. And especially, you know, when you're a young child and you hear the Queen of the Night the first time, it's just like sure magical yeah um that a voice can do something like that um so and then i took a little break after that from opera because you know you go to high school and um got back more into musical theater and then i was like well i want to sing so i will go and get a degree in voice (laughs) not really knowing what that meant yeah yeah so, okay, so you, you mentioned this a little bit in terms of what drew you to the classical style, which is the detail. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what ultimately made you decide to say, this is the type of voice I want to pursue and not pack up everything and move to Nashville and try to make it as a country singer? Right, right, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think it's just when I sang classical music and when I sang opera, the way that it resonated with me, just, you know, um, the emotion of it and just the beauty of it and kind of how raw it can be. Um, it just spoke to me more than any other genre that I had sung. How do you, how, how difficult is it to, I mean, one style of singing cannot be like any other, how do you train your voice to sing one style versus something else? So going from more pop style to classical and opera, that, that's a totally different sound. Right. How right. do you how do you transition or adapt to something like that? Right. Yeah. That I mean, it's a little tricky of a question. Um, but I you know, because I, I teach a lot of different types of students. Mm-hmm. Um, but a 
a majority of my students are are younger high school students, and so they kind of run the gamut in what they want to learn to sing. Um, so some of them come in wanting to be the next American Idol, and some of them come in wanting to train classically and go to college for opera. Yeah. Um, so I I think it's just it's the approach um, that that pop music and musical theater is more belty so it's that like full voice um almost like spoken tone way that um you sing and um opera is a little bit different of a placement in your voice um and by placement i guess i mean where where the sound lives in in your resonance or in kind of inside your body. Um, so I, I think of um, singing like pop music and musical theater as like sending it straight out and musical and opera as like being a more internal sound hmm. and letting the sound like vibrate more inside, if Int- that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I think it does. <laughs> okay. Um, I've never experienced that because I can't do any of those things, but I understand what you're saying. (laughs) It does make sense. Um, You you mentioned a phrase, train or classically trained. Mm -hmm. What is that? What does that mean? What does that entail to be uh, to have somebody's voice that's more trained for classical? Right. So um, I all of my students, I train them from a classical perspective. And I like to always compare it to like when you when students take dance, a lot of times they always start with ballet. And I feel like classical music is the same way when you're learning how to sing or take voice lessons. Hmm. Um, So it's just focusing purely on technique. So getting much more familiar and comfortable with your body and how your body produces tone, how to breathe well for singing. And then once you breathe, what do you do with Mm -hmm. that breath and how do you use it? So that no matter what style of music you're singing, you're singing in a healthy way. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. That is, you know, if, if whether people are in their, their church choir, I mean, the songs that you sing there, that that's kind of what you're talking about with maybe your first introduction to singing, whether it's a youth choir, inside church, outside church. I mean, those are, that, that's maybe more the style that people are getting into initially, right? Mm-hmm. Can, can you give us a, 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 maybe a little bit of a list of some of the highlights of the what you've performed in some of the characters that, that you've, um, that you've played and, um, yeah, we'll just start with that. Okay. Um, well, one of my most favorite things I've done wasn't in opera, but um, was Verdi's Requiem um, with uh, the UNCSA Orchestra. Um, that that was one of my most favorite things I ever sang, um, which it feels a little bit like an opera in mm-hmm. itself. Um, but operatically... Um, a couple of my favorite things. Actually, the first thing that I did with Piedmont Opera, it was a joint production with Piedmont Opera and uh, the Fletcher Opera Institute. We did Robert Ward's The Crucible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that that's still one of my favorite roles that I've ever sung. Um, and then also while I was at school, we did uh, Puccini's La Rondine. And that was probably the most beautiful 
show, um, just all around from like a production value and everything that I've ever been a part of. Um, I also really enjoyed um, doing Rigoletto here. Mm-hmm. Um, and this this last production of Traviata, um, it, it wasn't like a big role for me, but it was a really fun production. There was a really good energy to it. I think um, Winston-Salem as a whole was really ready for some big grand opera. And I think Piedmont Opera was ready yeah. for some big grand opera. So it was nice. It was nice to be part of that return after kind of a, you know, a weird time for yeah. the arts. Um, and then probably uh, The Marriage of Figaro was one of my other favorite operas that I've done. How, how do you, when, when you're playing, when you're involved in that range of performances and characters, how do you approach each one? How how do you get into the right perspective, the right um, training, practice, rehearsal? Um, you've got to be in a certain mindset and a certain emotion, I would imagine, to to be able to do this range. So, h- how do you approach that? Right. Yeah. It's it's a little bit of a lengthy process for me, and I think for most singers, um, what what I always do, my very first step is I, um, if there is a recording of a performance, I always like to find a recording, um, whether it's something from La Scala or from the Metropolitan Opera. I like to watch the opera as a whole and just see what what other artists have done with it. Um, then, you know, I go through my score and look at the, the possible translations that are in the score. And then I'll go for a word-for-word translation, as, you know, if it's not in English. Mm-hmm. Um, and then find kind of a, a personal translation that makes the most sense to me and in my English language um, to really find how I want to shape each phrase that I'm singing. Um, And then if if the opera itself is based on a a larger work, like, you know, like the crucible itself, um, find finding kind of the origin of the story, finding any kind of books that are written, um, or if it's from a play, just finding that yeah. original source. So a lot of research. Yeah, <laughs> a little a bit. A lot of yeah. research. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like there's this lengthy process before you even, yeah. you know, get to the notes and the rhythms. Yeah. So I, I was curious about this, but I never asked the question in our in our first episode when we were speaking about La Traviata is the 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 ability or the challenge to learn another language mm-hmm. um, when you're having to perform in something other than English. How, how do you negotiate something like that? Right. Yeah. And um, it's, it's always a, a long process. I think, um, you know, luckily Traviata is in Italian and I've sung quite a bit in Italian. Um, but yeah, I, so what I like to do is usually there's translations of all of the operas. Um, and there's usually these like poetic translations written underneath that maybe if you were singing the opera in English for some reason, that those words would fit perfectly into those rhythms. Um, but that's not exactly the words that you're saying. So then I like to find those exact like word for word translations. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And then I take both of those concepts and turn it into like my original Christian translation (laughs) of like, what are they really saying right there? Or how would I say that personally, so that I can I can convey that I can get that emotion across in like on my face and in my voice. Trying to ascertain the the meaning rather than just memorizing words and translations. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So, you know, we, we mentioned that you went to your undergrad and got your master's at Wisconsin. And then you came here and you were part of the, the Fletcher program for mm-hmm. opera with UNC School of the Arts. Can, can you speak to the transition from being more of in the student role to then jumping into the professional performance part of this now? Right. Yeah. It's uh, well. So I, first, I will say I feel like um, the AJ Fletcher Opera Institute does such an amazing job at preparing you for uh, the professional side of being an opera singer. Um, the way that they treat you as a performer is very much like you are a professional already. They, you know, send you your daily call schedule. Um, Sometimes they're nice and send the whole week. Uh, But you, you are treated from the beginning, like you are a professional when you start in a, in a very safe place to make mistakes. Sure. But um, they, they really kind of show you how it's going to be, in, in an ideal professional setting. Yeah. Um, but I, I think there is a little bit of imposter syndrome when, when you graduate and get out there and you're uh, now this professional singer. Yeah. Um, but I, it's, it's been nice for me always being able to come back to Piedmont Opera uh, because when I was at Fletcher Opera Institute it was with Jamie Albritton, Steve Lacoste and Marilyn Taylor um, the like perfect trifecta of educators for opera um, so so whenever I get to come back to Piedmont Opera it's always Jamie um, and usually Steve directing the show um, so it always you know feels like I'm coming back to a really safe place um, but they still now me coming back as a professional and not a student they treat me totally like I'm a professional artist coming in to do my job and not so much like a student that they need to take care of. Yeah. 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 What was it like for you the first time you were on stage moments before everything started when you did your first professional performance, the emotions, the nerves, were you nervous? What were you feeling at that time? Mm, Yes. Can you, can you recall? I, um, it, it was very, very nerve wracking. Um, I was doing, I was doing an opera called Too Many Sopranos. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, it, it was a little scary because I I was the youngest person in the cast. Um, so beside, yeah, I think that was my first professional opera. And so I think I was 21 or 22 and everybody else in the cast was um you know a quite a bit older and more much more established um 
But I think it's as soon as you start performing, you just get so wrapped up in the character and in the moment, you don't really have time to be nervous. Because if you're nervous while you're up there performing, it's going to come through and, um, and then it's just going to get in the way. So I think as long as you can really, as long as you have that character development that you've been working on, you can really just like count on, on that character. Were, Were you always comfortable on stage in front of people? Did that take some time going back to maybe some of your, your younger years as, as a kid, a teenager, a young adult, Mm -hmm. did you ever have to overcome any sort of, um, stage anxiety? So I, especially when I was younger, I would always get extremely nervous right before I sang, but it was like, as soon as I was there to perform and started singing it all, yeah. would go away. Okay. But leading up to leading up to the actual performance was always a little terrifying. Any um any pre-show rituals that helped you to uh, to get past that? Um I think breathing. <laughs> Cuz I really do, you know, I tell my my students this all the time when we're nervous, the very first thing that goes is our breath, mm. like a nice deep full breath. Um so I always like to take some nice calming breaths before before I go but um yeah no other rituals besides that okay or the one that I do like to do from time to time especially if I'm feeling a little unsure of it is um is visualizing myself doing the performance successfully already so already having that in my mind that i've already done it yeah i can you know that that it will happen that's good that's Mm -hmm. good where do you see where do you want to see um this particular part of performing arts the opera where do you want to see this be over the next five years how do you want to see this grow Mm -hmm. in this area, particularly Winston-Salem or Mm -hmm. Piedmont Opera over the next five years as, as, you know, as, as we try to just introduce more people to it or, or build more of a consistent audience and, and try to, um, let people understand the value of this particular form of arts. Yeah. Um, because I do, I feel like our, like the Piedmont Opera, (laughs) Winston-Salem fan base, um, they're, they're fierce and they will show up. Uh, but I think we do need to grow our audience, um, just in terms of classical music in general, we have so many options in Winston-Salem to go see a classical music performance. Um, So I, I do really think that it's about people feeling like it's accessible, like it's um, for them, that it's not this high society, really expensive thing that they're not going to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I do, I think it's important to keep um, the the cornerstones of opera, like, like Traviata that we just did, like La Boheme, like Carmen, you know, I think th- those are important to keep. But um also finding finding things that maybe are a little bit more progressive, doing some some newer operas, um, which I know in in the past for Piedmont Opera, that's um, 
those are never the shows that everybody comes to the the new operas but i think um if we can grow the audience more that they know that every show that Piedmont Opera does is amazing, then maybe they'll take a chance on something new that they've never heard of um, because they know it's going to be good. Sure. Uh, but, but I also, you know, I think writing the tales of ragtime that they did last year um, doing shows, doing more shows like that. Um, I think, you know, Ragtime definitely gave us a, a much bigger crowd. And since doing Ragtime, I think that a lot of those audience members did then come to see Traviata that normally wouldn't have. Um, and even some of the chorus members from Ragtime came over and did chorus yeah. of Traviata, which I think is is great. So, so yeah, I think... Um, I definitely think doing new opera um, is is important, um, but also, yeah, feeling feeling like things are more accessible, and maybe you know, doing doing more musicals that people know and love. One of the things we got into a little bit with Scott McCloud on our first episode was some of the different stimuli that are now being included in, in performances. Whether it's you know, he mentioned. Uh, opera in a planetarium and, and mm-hmm. just different, vi- whether it's visual effects or just things that, that get people um, that appeal to more of the senses beyond just the, the sound of what's on stage. What, what are your thoughts on that? Right. Yeah. One of, one of the most compelling operas I ever saw um, had no set and it was just projections on on the background um which which felt like art in and of itself mm-hmm. um and so then you had just beautiful projections in the background and then you could really focus on the beautiful art that you're hearing in front of you yeah i love that planetarium idea uh, that scott did yeah um i think also um, having having a little bit more of, I guess you would call it community outreach of opera, um, like bringing opera singers to the brewery. Yeah, uh, or, you know, sure. I like I think that would be such a great way to introduce people to opera that maybe would never go see an opera, but if they hear an opera singer down at Wiseman and they're like, wow. That was that yeah. was amazing. Like, I, where can I see more of that? Anybody can get an '80s cover band at their brewery, but you know, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if we can find a way to go sing opera at a brewery or at a bar and make it enjoyable for anybody, it's a great idea. I like I like it a lot. I, yeah, I'll, I'll be there. Okay. <laughs> um, so as a, as a teacher, not only trying to teach your students the, the craft and, and train them in, in the different ways to get their voice where, where it needs to be, but what else are you preparing them for in terms of the challenges of the profession? Mm-hmm. Well, so I guess the, the students that I have are mainly non-music majors. Um, they're, most of them are... You know, especially my students at Wake Forest are 
communications and English and pre-med. But they all love to sing so much that they're still incorporating voice lessons into their education uh, while they're there. Um, So I think, you know, I, I tell my students this all the time that I really hate grading voice lessons. Um, so, so I always have to find this fine line between, you know, instilling great musicianship in a student and pushing them to be better, but also letting them still have fun mm-hmm. with it. Cause I think that's always, um, the, the tough thing when you decide to go to school for music, um, a lot of times you can lose some of the joy in it. So um, I, I think that's always that's always a tough thing to, to keep in mind for, for the teacher and for the students. Um, but then also just finding finding ways when they graduate, to keep music in their lives. So most of these students that I'm teaching, they're the ones that are going to want to sing in the Piedmont Opera Chorus or sing in the Winston-Salem Symphony Chorale um, or be on on the Arts Council board um, and support the arts in some way. So I think these students are, are very important. Um, and then, and then my students that, that are actually voice majors and are pursuing voice, um, I think it's important for them to know that, that a, a career in music doesn't always just have to mean performing full time. Sure. Um, because that's a, a rare thing for a singer. So finding a way to keep the arts in your life that's meaningful and, and enjoyable, um, but maybe isn't everything to, to sustain your career. Yeah, that's good advice. Know. That's good advice. Okay, so last thing I want to ask you about is something removed from your profession, removed from your teaching. I want to know just what you love about Winston Salem when when you're not when when it's when you're not teaching and you're not performing and you have a chance to do something away from music or mm-hmm. opera. What do you like doing in Winston-Salem? Well, um, I so I, I have to say I do really like that the arts is so prevalent in Winston-Salem. Um, I, I love to go see the symphony and go to a community musical theater show, mm-hmm. um, but also like go see a band play in Bailey Park um, or go see a band play at Wiseman. Um and uh, the the murals that are starting to pop up around town yeah. are some of my favorite. Um, I also like a lot of the restaurants that are downtown. I like that there's all these wineries that are with you know within yep. twenty minutes of Winston, um, and that it's really not that far from a big city like Charlotte or Raleigh. Um, where are you going to get your favorite meal in town? Ooh, um, lately Fratelli's. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Around Ronaldo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's my favorite spot lately. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. What uh, what what's the dish there that that just keeps drawing you back in? Oh, a ribeye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they have, it's uh my husband makes fun of me every time I order them but they have these parmesan onion hash browns. Really? But uh, they're so good. It does sound amazing. Yeah. And so the, I mean that's probably the majority of the reason I go to Fratelli's um besides mm-hmm. besides the ribeye. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Very good. Well, Kristen, this has been fantastic getting to, to know your story and, and hearing some of your thoughts on, on arts here locally and beyond. So thanks for being a guest here on our, on our show. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. 